And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast presented as always by our good friends at the Holy Grail. We will see you Saturday, 2.30 at the Holy Grail, the final BCJ official watch party of the football season. Get down and join us. And we can have a lot of fun with this because we have had a little bit of a problem this season as UC and Ohio State have had competing kickoff times pretty much every road game. Well, this week, Ohio State doesn't play till four. I'd love to see UC fans just take all the seating in the Holy Grail and make the Ohio State fans wait until halftime to uh, get their seats this week. So uh, be up for that challenge. We're off. We're coming off a win. Come on, people. The, the energy and the excitement is back in Bearcat football. Meet us at the Holy Grail at the Banks. It is the premier sports bar in the city. Root on the Bearcats as they look for Big 12 win number two. All right, let's get this show on the road. Hi, Dave. How you doing? I'm good. I was uh, I was just thinking about how we discussed last week if I was going to make an appearance, and I'm glad I didn't because you know what would have happened if I did. Yeah, they would have lost, and it would have been your fault. Right. So now that they won, it is my, also my fault. Yes. So now you have a reason not to come to watch parties anymore. This week you have an excuse Yes. because you're going to be in Morgantown. I am. Very excited. I'm sure. Is your brother going? Of course. Him, a bunch of his buddies. Uh, yeah, we're, we're getting the whole crew back together at the Residence Inn right there by the stadium. So uh, we've got special guest Chris Anderson from Earsports.com. Chris, what you don't know is Dave's older brother went to West Virginia. Younger brother. Younger, younger brother went to West Virginia. So uh, the, the whole Simone family will be there. Uh, kind of a homecoming of sorts. For and senior day, senior day, right? For West Virginia. Yep, that's right. So uh, we will get to talking West Virginia here in a second. But first, it's Talking Big 12 brought to you by Team Ticker, teamticker.com. And uh, guess what, Dave? Holiday season. Oh, Black yeah. Black Friday sale. Oh, buddy. Black Friday sale, Aaron. Get ready to change the information there. I forgot to tell you this before the show. My bad. Uh, $50 off when using the code Black Friday, all caps. So go to teamticker.com. You can see I've got the C Paul here. Aaron has the uh, the Bearcat. And if you just put Black Friday at checkout, use the code, and that will get you $50 off. And this is good news for Chris. I'm going to hook Chris up with the Team Ticker guys. West Virginia is the next market to launch. They've got Cincinnati. They've got Michigan State. They've got Penn State. West Virginia is coming next. So I'm going to get Chris hooked up with our fine folks at Team Ticker. And, uh, I mean, I assume they'll have the WV, maybe yeah. the maybe the the Mountaineer with the musket. Oh, I'd have to go with the Mountaineer. I had a choice. I might I see it which, right here next time. <laughs> I don't know which ones they're going to do yet, uh, but they have informed me that uh, West Virginia is next. So we will get you hooked up with them. They have been an outstanding sponsor as we talk Big 12 uh, every week right here on this show. So teamticker.com, Black Friday, all caps. That is your code. No space or, or is there a space or no space? No space, all caps. One word, Black Friday, and that will save you 50 bucks. There you see it scrolling through the uh, Big 12 football standings right now. 
It's got the basketball standings. It plays the fight song at kickoff and tip-off. The one thing you do have to be careful there, Chris, they will add some Olympic sports in here. So you will not be expecting it or you will not be thinking about it. You'll just be in your office working, and then all of a sudden the fight song will come on. And you're like, what is starting right now that I missed? 11 o'clock this morning, women's basketball tip. Team ticker. <laughs> all right, Dave, I will turn this over to you. You are the maestro when it comes to previewing our right. opponents every week, and you and Chris can uh, can take it away. Sounds good. Thank you, and thank you, Chris, for joining us again. I know you joined us uh, as kind of a preview, and that's kind of where I want to start is when we had John before the season, you know, we talked about that there was certainly some smoke you know, surrounding Neil Brown and how this season was going to go. And could they be making a coaching change at some point during the season? Obviously that hasn't happened. The record is six and four could be, I mean, outside of a, of just a wild Houston game. I mean, could be seven and three, but I'm caught. My question is like, I do a little browsing of, of your board and just kind of get like a temperature check and it seems like the vibes are are not exactly uh, uh, feeling it. So, like, are are fans looking at the record and and maybe saying we should be better? Are they dissecting the games a little more closely, even in some of these wins? Like, I would have thought, hey, we're six and four. We thought we might fire the guy by October, and we're certainly not there. Where is like what's going on, kind of, with WVU and the and the fan base? A little schizophrenic, I think, is the term you're looking for here. Back and forth throughout the season. That four and one start, the wins over Texas Tech and TCU eased things quite a bit. Uh, losing at Houston on that Hail Mary and the way it happened and to the former coach, who that sent some people. Oklahoma State a week later, same thing. Like they're up four, getting the ball back in the fourth quarter. You run into your own punt returner, which results in a muffed punt and things fall apart. So fans are upset get a couple wins, feel a little better, and then you get Oklahoma. And I think this is where fans are right now. It's because, yeah, you, you say six and four, and there's a chance here, you know, with Cincinnati, Baylor, um, two games, I'm guessing West Virginia will be, I think they were four-point favorites for this one. They'll probably be favorites against Baylor, depending on what happens this week. It's a possibility that West Virginia could go eight and four. And it's also a possibility that with that eight and four record, exactly zero of those eight wins would be over a team that finished bowl eligible, right? which is kind of remarkable. And fans have kind of latched onto that because, you know, they're, they're hoping for wins, obviously, and you get to eight, should feel good. But the way they lost at Oklahoma, who I would say is probably like, maybe like the, the barometer where you're measuring your team at, it, it, it was embarrassing to be quite honest. I mean, that, that's what Neil, Neil Brown, of course, he said, Disappointed and nearly embarrassing because West Virginia looked like they shouldn't have been on the same field as Oklahoma. They didn't look like they were in the same realm of Oklahoma on that night. And I think that's what fans are like, hey, is this really our feeling of beating, you know, under 500 teams and not even being competitive with the top 25 teams? And that's not where West Virginia fans, at least, want to be. I don't think the school does either. Nobody wants to be there, but they're expecting more. Let's get into a little bit of the team themselves. We'll start offensively. Uh, the run game has been very strong. I mean, they're one of 
the top three teams in the conference, right, with UC averaging well over 200 yards per game. I was actually watching the Oklahoma game when C.J. Donaldson got hurt, and it looked pretty pretty serious at the time. I mean, it made it seem like a high ankle sprain, and he seemed to be in a lot of pain. I, you know, I'm not going to – I mean, do you think he'll play? I mean, there's – he's – had a, another great year, 160 carries, 755 yards, 10 touchdowns. I mean, if he can't play, that would probably be a pretty big loss. Yeah, that would be a big one. Uh, the latest update we got, or at least official update we got from Neil Brown was he did not practice Sunday. They had an emergency. That was a terrible performance. Let's have a <laughs> Sunday practice practice. He did not practice at that, and he did not practice Monday during a typical practice. And he has, And Neil Brown has said before that, he wants guys practicing by Tuesday, mid-Tuesday. Would make some exceptions. You wonder if Sidney Donaldson would be one of those ex- exceptions. You know, he, he being the starting running back and having already played a bunch last year, does he need to practice before then? At least full go. Not so sure, uh, but that's certainly something I would be monitoring. I would put him questionable for Saturday at best. Yeah, Garrett Green. Good touchdown to interception ratio, only been sacked four times. I mean, that I think that bodes well to one his running abilities, almost 500 yards rushing and eight touchdowns. And also, West Virginia has a, has a very strong offensive line. But then you have a 51% completion percentage. And it, in kind of looking at the receiver stats, it's it's a lot of seems like a lot of either nothing or a big play. Is that is that kind of accurate? Has the has the passing game just not you know complimented the running game like you guys would have thought this year i think that's just green's skill set at the moment he's not somebody who has touched he is not you know overly accurate he's not going to pick you apart underneath in the intermediate routes i mean the best way i could put it was i believe it was oklahoma state and wide receiver ej horton was running like a 10 12 yard kind of back shoulder route and green threw it and literally dislocated his finger on the pass. It went through his fingers and dislocated his finger, uh, the receiver's finger, and went out of bounds. And with that, you see some of the short passes. And Neil Brown just kind of came out and said it. Said, "I think we could, we would probably complete fifty percent of our short passes. So why not just throw them long and complete fifty percent?" That's kind of <laughs> been West Virginia's approach: is we're going to run, 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 maybe a couple little short dinkers, but for the most part going deep in the past. That's not great for the Bearcats, Chris. Oh yeah. No, no, they're they're it was much better this past week, but they have been very susceptible to to the over over the top uh passing this year. Now they've made a couple changes in the secondary that even against UCF in the loss was was much better. So hopefully things are trending in the right direction. But uh you know But I would say between Completions and pass interference, about a about a ninety three percent hit rate uh, going over the top on the Bearcats <laughs> for a large portion. I mean, it, cer- it certainly felt like. Oh it. my gosh, yeah. man! I mean, it is one. It's felt like every throw has been like right on the money. The the second a guy gets a step on the Cincinnati defense, uh, and then if they don't have a step on the Cincinnati defense, uh, the pass interference flag was almost a certainty um they 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 have mixed things up and they're they're working in some younger guys but if west virginia plans if west virginia's 
mindset is to go over the top when they do pass. They're going to watch this tape this week, and they're going to have a, a very good feeling about the passing game on Saturday. <laughs> well, that's certainly the way they've been approaching it so far. Because again, it's completely going to be bad no matter what. So might as well throw it deep. <laughs> if CJ Donaldson can't go or is you know severely limited, where do they go running the ball uh, without him? So throughout the year, they've kind of shifted around. Who is that number two guy? Who's going to rotate in with Donaldson? But it seems in recent weeks they've settled on true freshman Jaheim White. Um, he, I believe he's second on the team in rushing now. And a lot of that is because he's just kind of taken over when he's going in for uh, – uh, you know, that started with the UCF game, nine carries, eight yards, and then BYU, 16 carries, 146 yards. He is the guy that's going to you – know, Donaldson is the – Hand the ball off, run straight ahead. You know, don't worry about anything else. Just run straight ahead. You're 6'3", 230 pounds. Uh, White, 5'7", 190 pounds. His goal is to get to the edge and try to get outside. So it's two very different backs. So I think I'm more curious about who's going to be the big back that kind of goes between the tackles because Jalen Anderson and Justin Johnson have both fallen deep down the depth chart with the emergence of White. Is, is Garrett Green that guy? I mean, if they can't give White those Donaldson carries and he's still more in like that backup type role, do we see more of Garrett Green? Because at least in the first half last week, uh, UC had some trouble stopping Donovan Smith. And, I mean, he's 6'5", 240. He got loose for a couple of runs. They cleaned it up in the second half. But is, is more of a Garrett Green designed run probably part of the game plan this week? I think you can pencil green in for somewhere between 10 and 15 carries. Uh, I don't think they'll go above and beyond that. Um, but if you look at the game logs of when it was, I would say kind of a standard game or a game that stuck to the script, obviously early in the season, he, he Duquesne FCS opponent, who cares? Pitt got hurt. Um, BYU complete blowout, not going to risk it. Uh, but every other game other than that, he's been between 10 and 16 carries. And I think that's probably where you're going to see him. I think they're nervous to maybe run him more than that to replace those Donaldson carries, like you were saying, because he's already gotten banged up a couple times. Mm -hmm. And when they have to revert or turn to uh, Nico Marchio, the backup quarterback, the offense is completely different. And they have to kind of like turtle up basically and just hold on for dear life. This should be a good battle between a good defensive line and a good offensive line. I know Doug Nestor's been been banged up as well. Do you think he's going to be able to go? He's in the same boat as Donaldson. Did yeah. not practice that Sunday thing. Did not practice on Monday. Uh, I can say with a certainty, he is one of those guys that the staff would allow oh, yeah. to sit out until, you know, basically walk through on Friday or something. Uh, Ask know, him, like, are you good? And he's like, I'm good. And they're like, yeah. okay. <laughs> That's it. That's all they need from him. Yeah. Um, switching over to defense. I want to ask this question because it's I don't understand it, so hopefully you can explain it. Yep. West Virginia has a potential first-team All-American at corner in Beanie Bishop. Yep. Chad, listen to this. 54 tackles, 19 passes defended, four interceptions, and yet they are 13th in the Big 12 in pass defense. How is that possible? Everybody because, else stinks. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, the opposing teams have figured out, stop throwing to him. I, I mean, it amazes me 
when they do throw to him. I don't understand why you would when what's going on elsewhere, uh, because he's been outstanding, uh, leads the nation in pass breakups or passes defended uh, so far this season. Malachi Ruffin is the other cornerback, and he's been serviceable. Like, he's not terrible, uh, but there's only he, – he's – physically and athletically limited uh, you know he's a, he's a smaller quarterback he's a walk-on he's a former walk-on he's on scholarship now but you're talking about a sixth year guy who's a walk-on um and, and at times he can get into some mismatches safety play has been horrendous this season um linebackers while lee coba you know west virginia wouldn't be where they are without him because he is outstanding in the run game and he is getting some pass rush he's horrendous in pass coverage and teams have kind of taken advantage of that. I believe it was this Oklahoma game. You know, they put him and Jarrett Bartlett, which is like a bandit, kind of a stand-up linebacker, um, into coverage several times, and it was a disaster. Uh, like, I'm talking like 200 yards of, of Gabriel's 400 were against those linebackers because he just put them in mismatches. And and that's how, that's how it happens. It kind of just kind of rolls downhill from there. Was it was it tight ends? Was it slot guys? It was a slot little guys. bit, a little bit of everything. Oh yeah, no Drake Stoops, the slot oh, receiver, yeah. just had an absolute field day. So you know, twenty sacks, not kind of middle of the road in the conference, but no one over two and a half, nine interceptions. Bishop, but Bishop has four. Um, so you know. Where is UC has not really been, they were very efficient last week against Houston, not for a ton of yards in the past game. And we're pretty good against UCF as well. I mean, you know, West Virginia knows, everybody knows they're going to want to run the ball. They're top five running team in the country. But do you think the way to kind of loosen that up is to maybe come out and, and test the other corner? UC has some big wide receivers, has some tight ends that they'll throw it to. You know, is that is that kind of the way that teams have come gone about it when they've had success against the defense? Yeah, it's usually been obviously passing, um, finding guys in that slot, matching them up against the nickel corners or the linebackers, different or or some of the safeties. Um, other things that work when when they go to the running game, it's been some of this outside zone stuff. Which again, Neil Brown singled out uh, Satterfield and, and Cincinnati for what they do with that. Is that West Virginia's bandits and their edge rushers have a really hard time keeping contained. And and the coaching staff has talked about it throughout the year that, hey, they're just not very good at, you know, filling the right gaps and, and sticking to their assignments. And that's setting, resulted setting in some, the edge and stuff. Yeah. Forcing runs back inside. So it's, it's resulted in some big plays for teams that run some of the, the misdirection or counters and stuff like that. And I mean, Ollie Gordon, God, I think he had like 200 yards in the fourth quarter alone against West Virginia. So, uh, well, I mean, we 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 experienced <laughs> that as well. I mean, he had like 200 something. In the, it wasn't all in the fourth quarter, but he had 200 something yeah. in the second half of our game. So, but I mean, you so, see when 25, you see when 25 minutes of that game, and he had like 30 yards, and he still ended up with 275. Yeah, I think he was. He was like 140 or 150 already like entering the fourth and then had another 150 yeah. in the fourth quarter against West Virginia. Yeah, and then one of the worst rush defense teams in the country just totally shuts him down last week. So yeah. good luck making sense of this conference. Um, I mean, I would have, you know, I, for no, I mean, it's obvious that West Virginia should feel like 
they should win this game. I mean, UC has not been playing well. They just got their first win since September against and also not playing very well um, Houston team. But, like, you know, it just seems kind of like there's, I don't know, the, like I said with the first question, now the, the fan vibes and what the players think can be two totally different things, but coming off the Oklahoma game, is that like if UC jumps out early or hangs with them for a little bit in the in the beginning of the game, is this kind of a, a situation where everybody just kind of starts going like, okay, we're actually in for a fight here, and and these guys are going to run the ball, and and maybe you know, and we're going to go down to the wire with them. Is is that kind of the worry at this point? Yeah, I don't even think people are like thinking it's going to be a blowout because in West Virginia's mind, I feel like at least the the fans and people who cover the team, it's almost like what kind of offense, no matter whether it's a passing offense or a rushing offense, outside zone, inside zone, gap scheme, whatever it is, can West Virginia stop them? And it feels like the answer is no. It doesn't matter what it is. So even though Cincinnati may not be scoring a ton of points and or their 60-40 run, doesn't matter there is this feeling that Cincinnati still could get 20, 30 points. And so now the question is, can West Virginia score on Cincinnati's defense? And then we've seen West Virginia's offense be up and down. So I do think there is some concern among West Virginia fans. But um, Which brings me to something, because I brought it up on our site the other day. I, I believe I saw, was it Cincinnati was one in four in like one score games or something like that? So Yeah, I mean, they, they lost at home to UCF by two, at home to Baylor by three, lost at home to Miami, Ohio, where in overtime where if they don't get a field, a short field goal block, not to at the time expire, but would have probably won. I mean, yeah, so they – I mean, we've – it's been an on-running joke of if I told you that we had 515 yards of offense again and outgained our opponent by 130 yards again – but still told you that we lost again. Like, you know, we could write yeah. one hell of a novel about the 2023 season. So, I mean, outside of a, you know, a pretty lousy performance against Iowa State, they have pretty much been in everyone. Like, I mean, Oklahoma beat them 20 to six, and yeah. the defense played great. The offense couldn't do a damn thing, but like, they've pretty much been in to some extent. Second half of Oklahoma State, you know, Ollie Gordon did his thing, but it was ten to seven at halftime. So you know, it's a it's been a frustrating year because you look at three and seven and you're like, this team must stink. And then you have the number five rush team in the country, and and a lot of areas they've been good. They just have not made those key plays. Um, you know, when those five six key plays, or they've shot themselves in the foot a ton, and they what? didn't they didn't do that last week. And you saw what happened. I mean, yeah. With six minutes to go in the game, Donovan Smith had thrown for 50 yards. So I mean, they, they were a top 10 run defense in the country until Ollie Gordon happened. Yeah. And he dropped them 30-something spots by yeah. himself. And then R.J. Harvey did it, got him for almost 200, and that's kind of messed yeah. up. But, yeah, they were right around 100 yards a game rush defense for the better part of the season. Yeah, and that, that's what I was getting at. I was like, I feel like Cincinnati's better than the 3-7. and seven, And some of the stats, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, hey, you know, like you just mentioned with the rushing stats. I was like, I felt like they were better than that, and those two games kind of throw things off. But, yeah, so this is – I'm expecting a close game. I'm expecting a game between these two teams, like, in the low 20s again. I'm yeah. Not, and a fast one, too, hopefully, uh, for those of us trying to get out on Saturday night. 
Um, yeah, if, if both teams are going to be committed to the run, I would, you know, yeah. it, it will hopefully. Uh, what, two of the top ten in time of possession, I believe, or top eleven yeah. in the country. It's kind of yeah. Weird. I mean, that that was the other thing early in the season. Cincinnati was just it was like thirty-seven to twenty-three every week. <laughs> Okay. Well, I mean, what they they lost? I forget which game it was. They lost one game where they ran ninety-one plays. They lost to Miami, Ohio, where they almost ran twice as many plays. I think it was ninety-four to fifty-seven or something. Like so, like just BYU, like, they destroyed BYU in plays. Like it, it was almost comical how many more plays they ran than BYU. And still off. Yeah, and still off. So, but yeah, it's it's been a, a maddening, frustrating year. But you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, I think there's there are two teams that do a lot of the same things well and do a lot of the same things poorly. So it'll be another one of those who forces turnovers, who commits a a bad penalty, you know, who picks up a fourth and short to keep a drive alive type of situation. Who goes up a sixty yard punt return or? <laughs> <laughs> who gets an interception and then fumbles it 20 yards later trying to <laughs> trying to run it back for a touchdown in the zone. yeah we had one of those last week year, Chris. So. Yep. well they couldn't they, had, they, they hadn't had a turnover in like a month and then they get a turnover the guy runs 20 yards and fumbles it because he's you know <laughs> dancing like Deion Sanders trying to find a lane oh, and oh. It, you almost couldn't see it on TV like live Oh, I saw it sudden, right away. <laughs> in the at the Holy Grail, it was difficult to see because we're all going like the, the defense stayed on the field. We're all looking at each other, going, "What's happening? What just happened?" Like, and Houston had the ball. And we're like, <laughs> "No." But, uh, uh, I, I know well, the spots. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say it would it would very much behoove Neil Brown if he might still be in trouble at eight and four. You can't lose to the last place team in the conference, right? Yeah, I think eight and four is fine. It, it, but yeah, there's you still going to be noise at eight and four. Yeah, I think eight and four. There's still people. Well, the the other variable here, um, for those not familiar, but Jimbo Fisher getting fired at Texas A and M. He's from West Virginia. He's from the state of West Virginia, and he Br- went bring on it, the radio. Bring, bring him home, Chris. Yeah, bring that, him that's home. What every, that's what everybody <laughs> wants. And you know, he went out and said something. He was being interviewed by the local uh, news station in Clarksburg where he's from and mentioned somebody said something to him about, Hey, you know, one day, do you ever think, you know, coming home? Cause talk about all these coaches from West Virginia. I mean, Nick Saban, yes. uh, Jimbo Fisher, all these guys that end up somewhere else. And he was like, I'd, I'd love to come back home and coach or something like that. And that you was it. That just rich, rich rod to be the OC. There you go. Bring, bring Jimbo, <laughs> bring Jimbo home. Yeah. It's a, uh, well, it's one of those things, like, even if they win the last two games, I understand what you're saying. It's like, where you're eight and four, but you feel like, like, where's the momentum for next year? Right. And it's, you know, usually it's, you know, if, if UC was in, if UC did something like that, we'd go, well, it's first year, staff, first year in the Big 12. Yeah, we didn't really beat anybody that we think is any good, but there was a lot of stuff going on, and they still had a pretty decent year, where you guys are probably like, it's his whatever year and we won games, but you kind of look at it and you're like, we didn't really, we, there weren't any where we're like, Oh yeah, we beat a team we weren't supposed to beat or, or stuff like that. And, and what does that mean going into next season? Yep. Year five. And I think if he finishes eight and four, he's one game over 500. 
maybe for his five years. And as I mentioned to Mike, who I work with, I said, how many, how many of the 65 to 70 power five teams are keeping a coach at 500 after five years? four of them like you know maybe Vanderbilt or something like that you know most schools are not keeping a 500 coach after right five you've, years. you've kind of shown what your program is right so I know all the spots because my brother went to school there and I've been there several times I was at the uh, first ever game you guys sold beer against LSU <laughs> with the honey badger that was a time yeah uh, but I'm sure we're gonna have a lot of UC fans there we're excited it's like the first true conference road game we can drive to since the big east days uh no one was really driving to memphis or temple or ecu uh for those stellar performances so what yeah what's the what's the pregame like what's the tailgate scene like where should where should people go to check out and and everything now that we have a i won't call it a rivalry i mean uc's three and 16 in their career against West Virginia, we haven't played in quite some time, but it's you know it's just nice to have a, a regional team again. But what, what should everybody check out when they go to Morgantown? Well, you told me you're staying at the Residence Inn right across from the field, so you, you got the primo spot to just go right across the street to the oh, yeah. hospital parking lot with the tailgating because for those who don't know, right next to the football field is, is the hospital, and they share a parking lot, and it is set up for all the tailgating you could possibly imagine. Um, right down the road, Small and if place, happens, but I love it. The I, I'm right still there. waiting on them to uh, sponsor. But uh, Varsity Club, excellent food, big beers, big fishbowl beers. Um, really enjoy that place. Um, Mario's Fishbowl around the corner. Uh, again, it, I, I don't know why I keep thinking all the places that have the big fishbowl beers, but those are the first ones that come. I'm to mind. sensing a trend. I know. <laughs> I know. We'll you know, and it's been it's been a minute, obviously, but I know we'll be we'll be hopping into a sports page and Kegler's. Oh yeah, Kegler's is a fan favorite. So a lot lot of good spots in Morgantown. It's, looks like the weather's going to be you know halfway decent Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to complain about a game in the 50s in Morgantown in the middle of November. That's for sure. Yeah. That was our the third host of this podcast. Yeah, Pickle. my cat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pickle, did Pickle have any questions? Oh, I've, I've been told that my brother says a new bar called Mountain Mamas. Ooh. So I guess we'll be checking that one out, too. Yeah. Try to get but, them on a sponsor, too, for you guys. Yeah. Um, tell, your, tell your brother to make it happen. Yeah, but uh, thank you for joining us. Tell everybody where they well, yeah. Hold on, oh, so quick. Oh, my bad. Basketball. Oh. We got him here. How, Do we have to they, talk about basketball? Okay, never mind. We'll get him out of here, Dave. <laughs> yeah, okay, they, go ahead. They, you guys are going through the same crap we are with the NCAA, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, with um, Raekwon Battles waiver being denied, still under appeal, still waiting somehow. Um, Kirk Carissa being suspended for nine games for something that happened at Arizona. That's not great. And, you know, obviously with the departures after the Huggins thing and him being fired and then everybody being able to leave, but no one being able to enter the portal for West Virginia to get back, um, has put them with eight scholarship players at the moment with, Oof. to be kind of blunt about it, two of those eight probably shouldn't shouldn't be, be playing in the players. big 12 <laughs> yeah so really six scholarship players they're playing with right now and they showed it in that loss to monmouth the other night um six players played all but i think 
nine minutes like you know two two other guys the seventh and eighth guy played like four minutes and three minutes or something like that so it's bad mom it's one of those games that you wish you didn't schedule if you find yourself in a situation like that absolutely like they've always they might not be great but they they're always good enough to beat you in november if you don't have your shit together yeah so well it, you know a lot of people here still care yeah. about what happens there because of bob so Bob, he's still Bob, coming to the he, games. Hey, if he keeps trying hard enough, maybe eventually he'll get that job back. <laughs> and Demar, yeah, yeah and, and DJ, of course. And, DJ's awesome. Yeah. DJ's a friend of the program. We we love DJ dearly. Yeah. Um, but Bob looks Bob looks good. Yeah, yeah he was he was weight. here uh, for Corey Blunt's UC uh, Hall of Fame induction. He looks like he's he's lost a couple lbs. Yeah. So he's lost a human. <laughs> Maybe he's just not carrying around the recycling anymore. All that recycling, yeah, he just, yeah. He, he, he had the... recycling in his pockets at all time, and we just didn't know it. He needs to. Uh, he, he needs to cut a, Like, if he ha- if he truly had a great sense of humor, he would cut some commercial for like whatever the garb, like the sanitation garbage recycling yeah. company in Morgantown was. He's, you know. Well, hey, you know what? He's doing his own podcast now, so maybe he'll oh, have to. I mean, I'm his... sure that's just a great listen. <laughs> well, so far, I was a little nervous about it because there is this sense of, all right, you know, like everybody hopes he gets the help that he needs and gets everything figured out, but it's like, hey, you're now you're kind of hovering over the program. Like, yeah, they're, they're trying to move on, get Josh Eilert going, get this team going, and, and he's showing up to all the games. He's doing a podcast talking about everything. So is there a little bit of sense of that, but so far the podcast has been, Hey, I screwed up. This is what happened. A little different from the story that was out there, but I screwed up and hoping to get things right. So I hope he figures it all out. I thought I was in Ohio, but I was really in Pennsylvania. It happens. We've all yeah. been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, all I, right. I, I've known the guy. Not I mean, he wouldn't know who I was. He would know who some of my family members are. But got some some great stories. If if we ever, uh, you know, if you ever run into us this weekend after the game, and we we can certainly tell some. But uh, t- you guys have a ton of coverage over on your site for football, basketball, everything. Tell everybody like where they can find the site, Twitter, all all the stuff to to stay in lock for the for this weekend's game. Yep. Uh, which way am I leaning? There we go. Earsports.com. Find us over there. Uh, Twitter at CMAnderson247. Yeah, lots of coverage of uh, this upcoming football game and ongoing coverage of basketball season. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll have you back on when it's uh, time to get things fired up in hoops. And uh, it's safe to say Cincinnati fans are a little, little – concerned looking at you when you first get that that first big 12 basketball the football schedule you're like everybody feels like and we've seen it everybody feels like they can beat everybody yeah in this football conference you get the basketball schedule laid out in front of you and you're kind of like oh yeah this isn't fun there's yeah. no more no more trips to tulsa yeah, yeah. That's what, that, that was what huggins used to say was the big difference you know oh, in the Lubbock, old big east lubbock is hard yeah, in the, the old Big East, he would say, "Oh, you know, you you got to play USF or you yeah. know whoever was terrible at basketball that Paul. year." St. John's. Yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't happen in the Big Twelve ever. You ever been in Lubbock? It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs>
All right, man. We appreciate it. We will talk soon. Thanks, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you. All right, there you go. Mountaineers. The rivalry, or this is going to be a rivalry. Well, I mean, yes. Hopefully, that's the case, and the teams, you know, some, you know, play well and and kind of do a back and forth thing. I mean, obviously, I I wouldn't. I don't think either fan base really looks at it like that right now. One, because they, you know, they've obviously had UC's number from get you know from a long time ago and two we haven't i haven't even looked but i mean we haven't played each other since at least what 2012 2013 something like that yeah i guess 13 was the first year in the in the american so 10 years ish so no i think that's why i said i think we're all just happy to (laughs) to be able to go to this game uh and and you know have a a semi-close conference road trip that we do have a bit of history against. Yeah. Yes, the, the thing it's 16 to 3, but West Virginia was in a much better situation than Cincinnati. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean the majority of their history, but in the last six games they played, there's a lot of good games in there. And a bunch of good that's games. probably all three Cincinnati wins, isn't it? Or at I least mean two one, of one of the games I always remember and I I think UC even lost, but it was kind of one of those First nipper games where you could like like Pat White was the quarterback and and they won and it was a fairly back and forth. Uh, Wasn't that right after the Rutgers upset? I'm n- I don't think so because it might have been, but Pat was there when Brunt, when BK was here because remember we won the game there. Yeah. Um, but it was just like it was one of those first atmospheres at Nippert that felt like it does now, where it was like we're, we're like we finally care about football and these guys care about football, and it was a big crowd and a good game. It was I remember it was a night game, and um, you know, so yeah, there's some obviously the game at West Virginia. Marty takes the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. We get out to a big lead. They come back, almost win it in overtime. Uh, goes or almost went in regulation, goes to overtime. Um, D Bird had an amazing tackle on Pat White that basically, or Terrell Bird, I mean, had an amazing tackle on Pat White that basically won the game. And then Tony hits Kazim Ali for the winning touchdown. Um, that was a yeah, wild you're game. Thinking of, you're thinking of 07 at I home. Think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, 28 23. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia won. UC was getting it was 28-10, and then UC scored two fourth quarter touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Marcus Barnett, Bones yep. from from Ben Mock, and then Gladhar with uh, two twenty six left. And then I'm guessing they missed the onside kick. To uh, well, yeah, it was, uh, so yeah, there's been some you know towards the end of that. Obviously, there were some. Some good fun games, so yeah. Uh, but no, I'm I'm excited. I love you know I love going to college games. I love going to other places. Um, but yeah, it was it was funny. Like it's just a, a weird temperature check. I'm, I'm just I'm looking- not Indianapolis. <laughs> well, yes, because this is on campus and a conference game. <laughs> uh, it's just a weird temperature check of like. You know, you thought you were going to maybe fire the guy, and now they're six and four, and I get on their board, and there's a threat about attendance, and like 
people are talking about 30,000, 35,000. They'll announce it at 40,000. They'll never announce it lower than 40, but there's not going to be anybody there. And I guess they're honoring Don Nealon along with it being senior day. So it's, it's just kind of some, some odd fan vibes. I don't, I mean, who, I have no idea what the, what the player coach mentality is right now, but the, the fans, you know, as Chris said, they're certainly not necessarily feeling the maybe better than expected record. Yeah. I mean, I get it that like, you know, maybe it's not a, against a great, like the schedule didn't turn out to be what you thought on the teams that you beat, but my God, they thought they were going to fire their coach and like three games into the season. Right. And, and they got a chance to go eight and four and they're still talking about getting rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. that, that game G off G offering was, you know, everybody left all the West Virginia fans left. Oh, the game, the game when they came it, back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were in our seats for the first it half, was, and then I got to go down on the, got to go down right. on the sidelines for the second half and overtime. And yeah, because my brother was in school, and they all took off. And that was, um, I think, they used to they used to have a pass out rule. So like at halftime, you could leave, go to the back. the blue lot right by the stadium by the hospital, drink, and then come back in whenever you wanted. And then once they started selling beer, they stopped it. But yeah, all the students left. Tons of people left, and then they're all trying to rush back in, like as they're, um, you know, trying to to tie the game or and go, then go into overtime. What haven't uh, McAfee said that was going to be the greatest night of his life? Yeah, if he made that kick at the yeah. end of regulation. Yeah, that was going to be the greatest night of his life, and then they lost, and it was one of the worst. <laughs> that was my birthday. We had a birthday party at my house. And like the mood went from like, like we kind of just stopped paying attention. Right? Like th the game was still on. We we're still watching it, but like it wasn't like everybody was right. It wasn't a back and forth, like right. We're totally locked in. And then you turn around, and you're like, oh my God, like this game's close. Like an overtime? What what just happened? Mm -hmm. I know nine beers, but I think I was that drunk. This game is drunker than me. Yep. But yeah. Uh, all right. We'll uh, we'll we'll lock that up with a Turtles Brew timestamp. Turtles Brew is your uh, favorite alcoholic beverage. It is. Uh, hold on a second. I had like three things pulled up. My bad. Zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten free, bourbon infused sweet tea. It's got a lemonade tea, cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla. Uh, there's over a hundred locations now in Ohio, um, including Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbus, uh, Akron. So visit turtlesbrew.com for more information and locations. Uh, and and Dave, uh, we have we have taken a look at this uh, before, but I, I just want to get so everybody knows when they see it. When you're in the store, you're not looking for the the, uh, the, the milk, milk jug, jug anymore. This is no. what you're looking for. It's very for those bad boys. Very fancy. 
I mean, I love the logo on them. Maybe, I mean, they're, they're may, dare I say, too fancy. Well, you know, those look like plastic bottles you can easily reuse oh, for, yeah. for things around the house. Or just to put your bourbon in so your kids think it's tea and you hide it from them. Yeah, but then if the kids think it's tea, then they might drink it. Well, that's daddy's tea. You're not allowed to have daddy's tea. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's a Turtles Brew time stamp from our good friends at Turtles Brew, which I think if they can get that thing into West Virginia. Oh, buddy. That might be the favorite beverage in what the whole state of West, West Virginia. West Virginia and Kentucky could, could, uh, yeah. could get going real big here. I mean, they love sweet tea and they love bourbon. If you allow them to mix the two and you can just buy it in store, one of them fancy bottles. Although in Kentucky, you might you might be best in West Virginia. You might be best selling in the, the milk cartons. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So, I mean, maybe too fancy. <laughs> keep, the, keep them fancy bottles for us high-class Ohioans. <laughs> in West Virginia, we're still selling tea in the milk, in the half-gallon milk jugs. Yeah. Oh, that's outstanding. All right. Um, I don't know anything from the Houston game. You want to? Well, do you want to? You want to put a bow on? You know, kind of what we think for West Virginia, and then since we just had Chris on, and then sure, go back. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a lot like last week. I mean, can you see play another pretty clean game on the road? Uh, you know, I have some worry about Garrett Green and his running because of what we saw with. Donovan Smith, but is it a better thing that you're kind of facing that for really with John Rice Plumley involved as well? Kind of a third week in a row, you know? Do you? But I think last week, Dave, they were they were fine with it. Like if that's the only yards they're going to get, okay. Yeah, but there were still some some bad, especially in the first half. Yeah, there were still some just bad. Um, you know, there was the one his big run. To the left, I mean, we we ended up with four defensive linemen to the wrong side of the center and one guy on the other side, and it just left a massive, massive hole. I mean, that has to that part of it has to be cleaned up. They've been um, susceptible to letting quarterbacks out the front door all season. Right. So, but seeing that last week and seeing them clean it up a bit in the second half. Is that a, a good omen because you can say, like, here's what we did wrong. Here's what we did right in the second half. We're going to try to keep those same principles. Like, if he's a 50% passer and can't really complete much in the short to intermediate, maybe you just kind of mush rush and make him throw. When he throws, like, make him throw. Yeah. Don't pin your ears back and – yeah, but don't give him time to stand back there and throw deep, Dave. Damn it. Well, I mean, you know, but yes, but I mean, <laughs> I think I just would sit like I would kind of make him beat you. Yeah, it's fair. In, in a passing in a passing sense, and then I think it's can the offensive pass game that has been much better in the second half. Or sorry, not the last two games. And, you know, been efficient, been been much better, but can they exploit, you know, 
everybody in the secondary outside of Beanie Bishop, you know, Chris mentioned the linebackers and the safeties. Can Braden Smith have another big game? Shamon Can they get Shimon matched up on those guys? Can they be a little more explosive with whoever is opposite of Beanie Bishop? Um, yeah. UC doesn't really have a receiver that's that you're going to say you're going to, like, travel with. So, Henderson. You know, they're not going to travel the corner with him, though. Uh, but, I mean, if there was one, it would be him. Right. But, I mean, like, can you get him matched up on a guy that Chris said is undersized, is a former walk-on? Like, UC has some big, you know, bigger receivers, bigger targets. So, can they be a little more explosive in that regard? Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a very similar scoring game to the Houston game. I would be surprised in a traditional sense, you know, unless some random thing happened, I'd be surprised if either team got to 30. Eh, so, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't rule anything out when watching this team. No, but, you know, both, like we said, both teams are going to want to run. Both teams are big on time of possession. So, like, unless... You know, one just plays significantly better than the other. I mean, UC could have easily got to 30 last week. Um, yeah. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me. But, I, I mean, I think we're in for the same type of game we saw last week. Low, Fairly low scoring, close game. Um, you know, I want to pick UC, but we're still kind of in that point. Like, okay, you, you had that good game. Let's see can, you do it again. Can you can you back it up again? Can you have a very clean performance two weeks in a row on the road? Yeah. Now, I mean, Dante talked about like preferring to play on the road because you kind of feel like your back's against the wall and you know everybody's screaming at you and there's a different level of screaming at you that you get in Morgantown than you get. Well, I mean, the way it sounds, pretty much be, anywhere else, you know, they might be screaming at their own team. <laughs> if it doesn't, if Cincinnati gets up early, and that's going to be the key, Dave. Like th this team just looked completely different when they were able to be in front. It, it just, it was night and day. Well, yeah, they didn't look like they were playing stressed. They didn't look like they they you know they didn't give them a chance. Didn't give them a chance to be in that situation where they like slumped their shoulders and kind of got down on themselves. They're off. I mean, their offensive game plan is built to be running the ball from the head. Right. So, right. So, yeah, I mean, I think, <clears throat> I mean, I, I'll pro. I think I'm going to go like West Virginia 24, UC 21. I was thinking more 28-24, but we're in the same ballpark. Yeah. I just – I'm worried if, like, they have decided on offense, like, we're not going to throw the short stuff. We're just going to try to chuck it deep and see what works. Yeah. I mean, UC's been – Better. See, I, but I, I would Houston say they did been, not try to go over the top. I would say they've been significantly better. Like, but, but Houston did not try at all. to Like, we didn't yeah. see how they were on deep, deep stuff. They tried it one time and got intercepted. Right. That's so, I mean, you know, I, yeah. I just, I have a fear of 
teams that have decided we're just going to throw it deep anyway before they get to this matchup. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if they don't have C.J. Donaldson, that's a massive, massive miss. Yes, I would agree, Dave, but they don't have their best player. I think, because uh, I think, well, I think you're less, <laughs> you know, you could play it maybe a little bit different um, in the pass game if, sure. if he's not there. Yeah, you can you I can agree. play the third and shorts a little bit different because, you know, on third and four, where they would normally probably give it to him, and you know, like Chris said, he's six three two thirty, like just go bang your way to four yards. Are they going to feel like they have to either run Garrett Green or potentially try to throw? Right. Um, and so you know, UC has shown they've been okay on the short stuff. I mean, they did a. They did a great job this past week. Yeah. You know, recognizing routes, breaking on routes, making a lot of really good open field tackles. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, Johnny, I, I love you, but run the ball and we can get the win. They're a top 10 rushing offense. I mean, we've ran the ball all year. Yeah. They haven't reached that identity all year. They are are three and seven. I mean, (laughs) it's not like they've thrown the ball 45 times a game. They're not the Bengals who just don't believe in allergic to running the ball. Right. Like, no, this is a team that's running the ball almost as much as you can run the ball. And they, you know, it hasn't been enough far more often than not. Yeah, you so, throw the ball to score, you run the ball to win. Yeah. Um, and Emery's, Emery's had his best two games, I think, the last two weeks. Oh, there's no – I mean, we're not going to count EKU, but yes. No, that's – Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. I mean, maybe Pitt, but – First nah, – he had a solid game. He had a second half. It wasn't – I wouldn't say it's – I wouldn't say it was as good as these last two. Yeah, so – you know, and that's another thing with the transfer portal. Guess what? Sometimes with the quarterback that's that's new to everything and with a new coach and a new system, it takes a while to to figure everything out and get comfortable. Unfortunately, it feels like he's getting comfortable at maybe the wrong time. <laughs> it's too late. I mean, you know, the, the funny thing is, Dave, like, if he'd have played this way early in the season, there wouldn't have been any calls for Emory Jones' head. It would have been they're doing everything they can with the quarterback that they have. <laughs> Brian says we run the ball so well that we call timeout before the half just to run it again. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Just in case you might break one of those 50 yarders. Yep. At the end of the half for a touchdown. Um Houston, I don't, you know, I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on it, but no, the the thing, the thing I will say that I've kind of been thinking about. I mean, obviously, we covered it Sunday morning. You guys have covered it. Is you know, I don't, I don't know how much it's worth. It's, but it's not worth nothing. That it it does not seem, and there's there's clearly been some some rocky moments along the way. I mean, Coach Satterfield is. I mean, you guys know, if you listen to me talk at all, like I am very appreciative of the way that he 
handles his public comments. Um, we ask for honesty, and he's. I mean, that was that was the thing I we always questioned going into the year. Like it's very easy to be honest in April and August, but during the season, will you be as forthright as you were in the off season, or will you turn into coach speak? Miss, you know that everybody else right. is, and he hasn't, and I appreciate that. And you know he's talked about some of the issues, and we know there's been meetings and hard practices, and. It's certainly, you know, if you've lost seven games in a row and you go on the road against another pretty, you know, whatever team in a stadium half full and you still got juice and you still got guys playing hard and you still have guys that are committed, it certainly doesn't feel like there's any notion of a a lost locker room or of a large faction of older players who are – not really giving their all because this guy didn't recruit me and we stink and I only got three games left in my career. So who gives a shit? Like there, I mean, I'm sure there's one of those guys or two of those guys. Like there's a hundred and something guys like that's just human nature. Yeah. But it certainly doesn't seem from the outside that, that that has been a thing that has, has kind of taken over this team. I mean, we've, we've talked about it enough. They're not very good. They've made a ton of mistakes. But at least for one game in a situation that was probably a little hard to, to get up for, they they played well. They brought it. There was energy. Um, guys guys seem like they're still involved and committed to the to the scheme and to the coaches. And when you're when you're not having a good year, that's I mean, not all you can ask for. But it certainly portends potential success next year versus. Half these guys quit on me. We got to figure out who we can actually win with. We're going to have to do a whole nother roster, you know, rebuild next year because, you know, all these sophomores and juniors that fickle and those guys recruited, they're not buying in, you know, and we, and we got to get them, you know, it doesn't seem like that is a thing that's happened. And that is encouraging. And just playing a, it wasn't an easy game by any stretch, but like there it was were, a complete game. Though. There were very few parts where you're just like, I cannot believe this is still happening, or I cannot believe we're doing the same stuff that we were doing against Miami and BYU and Iowa State two months ago. Uh, you know, and that's the frustrating. Like you watch BYU and Baylor, they stink. Awful. BYU stinks. Baylor stinks. Like no business losing those two games. Right. And we'd be having a different conversation as if this team had five wins going into the last two. Yeah. Like the whole, you know, in Miami, who I guess is good. They're playing for the Mackey's division championship tonight. Yeah. But it's been a um, weird, a weird year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we talked what um, we talked about going into the season. How many of those toss-up games are you gonna win? None. One. One. They won one. one. Well, I guess Pitt too, but they're. But we talked about how there were like six or seven of them, right? Maybe so, more. No, yeah, it ended up being more. Yeah, and you're probably going to get two more depending on Kansas's quarterback situation. Uh, you're getting a toss-up game here. West Virginia is at home and favored by four. 
I think it, I mean I think that opened at four. I think it's jumped all the way up to like seven. I don't know if it's come down really? that far. It it was when I saw it yesterday. Now I don't know if it's come back down or if it will come back down, but um but either way, it's based on the way the kind of two teams are playing, I would still put it in that coin you know, flip. If you're less than a touchdown favorite or underdog, I mean either team can win. I mean, right. you're talking about a 55 to 60 40 split type of thing. Yeah. So uh, we, we did have a commitment today. The 25 class is uh, is underway. With yeah, uh, you see, is six and a half point underdogs right now. Wow, we jumped up quite a bit. Uh, Kamori Smith uh, gives his pledge today to the Bearcats from uh, from Dayton Wayne. Um, somewhere that was uh, a familiar friend of the Bearcats during the Marcus Freeman era, but they do have Evan Tengestall uh, on the roster now. They get Smith. Um, you have watched a bunch of, of tape on him. I will let you uh, give your opinion there. I have. Uh, I have a, a very good friend that is a defensive coach that has played them and said uh, absolutely looks the part. Um, I think this is, you know, we're talking 6'5", I've seen 205, I've seen 215. I, I think he is a, at this point, and we also have to just keep in mind, these are high school juniors who, who knows how young they are. A lot of development still left. Um, but the things I like the most, two things stand out. Very willing blocker, which I'm not sure how much you get from that type of guy in high school because they're probably using him as a tight end slash wide receiver, but he is physical. He will engage. He will fight. Um, he blocks in the run game and the pass game. Uh, so that is from a move tight end standpoint and a guy that I don't see him as just like a, of an out wide tight end or a, a pass catching tight end. Like I think he can develop into both. But the other thing that really jumps out is he is an easy catcher. Like there were several plays that I saw where he's 10, 15, 20 yards downfield, whether it's across the middle, whether it's an out route and he is, you know, hands up, away from his body, easy catch, not catching stuff against his chest, not double catching stuff. Um, he is not currently rated by 247, but with his size and athletic ability, and, you know, he's got obviously committed to UC. He had, a, I believe, a Kentucky offer, Pitt, Purdue, Rutgers, like I have a hard time not, not seeing him in like the Ohio top thirty, top forty at the worst. Um, right. You know, I think he's there's a I think there's a lot to like. You know, I think this staff will start seeing it in this class. I think they want to lean more into the prototypes in positions. And maybe less of the try hard overachiever type. 
I mean, you're going to need those. Well, I, important to remember, Dave, I think that there's some NFL blood in this recruiting staff. Right. And the NFL loves prototype. Like, they don't like outliers. They, they want guys that look like they're, quote-unquote, supposed to look like. Right? right. You don't see a lot of 6'2 tight ends because a lot of 6'2 tight ends don't make it in the NFL. Or, you know, just name the position, you know. Right. Defensive ends that aren't at least 6'4", 6'5", with arms that are past a certain length. You know, just, yeah, there's much more um, – cutoffs and and you know hard stops on guys in the nfl than there is in college yeah and that's not to say that they won't have no because i mean look it up it's college i've been nfl guys no (laughs) we're still going to be a developmental program but i think you can can look at guys that fit those molds more i think that's what they're going to do but that maybe maybe they're young to the sport or they they just aren't in a position to be uber productive, but they have the measurables and the traits that you say, well, I mean, this guy's a great athlete. He's That's tall, right. he's long, but he's not, you know, in their offense. Maybe they don't utilize him like we would utilize him, but we still see the development there. And we want a guy like that to go along with probably more of a a traditional in line Michael Marish type tight end. Yeah, I mean you know, like, it, I, like I'll I'll use this as the comp. Like his game reminds would would fit more in like the Dalton Kincaid mode. And then I think like a in this recruiting class, like the Devin Zersky or however you say his last name fits more in like the Michael Mayer mode. Like yeah. yes, you can spread him out, but this guy can also line up next to the tackle and block somebody's ass off and and, and also run those inside routes. Yeah. Like I, I think that's a thing that you don't really think about when you think of great tight ends. Like it's important to have a guy that can run those because they get lost. Like, you mm-hmm. know, the, the defense accounts for them as they show that they're going to be a blocker because they do so much blocking. And then next thing you know, they release and they cut over the middle or they cut to the outside and the defense lost accountability on that guy, lost contain on a guy that they kind of wrote off that, okay, he's staying in the block, and now, um, you know, two and a half seconds into the play, he's running free over the middle. Um, Stuff like that 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 you get from those type of guys that, yes, it's great to have a Josh Wiley that can line up at – any of the four or five, like whatever spots you want to call it um, as a wide receiver. But there are advantages to having a guy that can do a little bit of both. And based on reading tea leaves, reading tweets, uh, that's we're not done uh, with the, the, the start of the 25 class. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that plays out here over the next couple days. Yeah. And for the Cincinnati has to recruit Ohio crowd, they should be happy. Although they're not close enough, Dave. They're not close enough. What's not close enough? Dayton Wayne is not in Cincinnati, Dave. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, believe me, and I've I've intimated this. I don't like to. I refrain from talking about specific guys this I know. kind of early in the process. Like, but I, you know, whether it's a concerted effort or just a random happenstance effort, there are I think several more Ohio kids in the top 50 in the state that they are, they would love to have that they are actively recruiting for the 2025 class. And look like it's, it's going to take a little bit of time, but guess what? These guys aren't stupid. They know there's a bunch of good football players in Ohio. Yeah. Like they want to get some of them. You just got to do the work and build the relationships and, and let's, I mean, let's be honest. If you're assessing this year's, team i think it's fair to say we need for the future we need some some higher levels of athletic ability and pure speed at the wide receiver and defensive back position and those guys just aren't in ohio there's There's not a a lot of trey tuckers and tyler scott's in ohio there's a handful i mean there's one in cincinnati that i know they like a lot but so do a lot of other teams (laughs) yeah um but you're going to go to Florida. You're going to go to Georgia. You're going to go to South Carolina for those types of more of those guys. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's – I think they are if, – if anything can be drawn from 2025 recruiting right now and who's getting the offers and things of that nature, I would say compared to 2024, much more of a concerted effort. Maybe it's just a better class. You had more time to build the relationship – targeting Ohio guys. And then there has obviously been a clear emphasis on recruiting offensive linemen and specifically tackles with prototypical tackle size. And then there's been a very concerted effort to recruit defensive players, whether it's linebacker or DB with speed. Now we'll see what happens. There is over a year to go before the 20, we're talking about the 2025 class. We haven't even signed the 2024 class. But right. so obviously there is a lot of time to go, but that is what I've seen based on who they've, you know, extended offers to. And for the recruitniks out there, we are working on. I haven't told Dave this yet. I don't even think. Yes, you have. Uh, sometime here very soon, we will have Zach Grant <laughs> on this podcast. And to get and it, it his... will be my sole mission to see how many secondary violations he can commit. <laughs> Maybe we'll have him on the BBP. That's a bad idea. <laughs> no, it's not because those guys don't know what a secondary violation is. You do. <laughs> oh, they do. do. They do. They do. No, they don't. No, they don't. You think Royer knows what a secondary violation is? That, that's true. He might. Not. <laughs> I, I give Aaron and I give Aaron and Brett more credit than that. I think they know what they think should be secondary violations. (laughs) It doesn't mean they know the very specific rules. Hey, it's like, Uh, like court, your honor, he's leading my client. That's a, (laughs) that's a leading question. Strike, strike that from the record. Well, when we were trying to set up like going back and forth on dates, I was like, maybe we should do it after signing day. So that kids have signed. And he can actually, they can actually talk about them. Talk about that. I mean, that, that would be much, much better. 
<laughs> yeah, I would I would certainly prefer that than yeah having a conversation, thirty minute conversation, just about things we're not allowed to talk about. Draped draped in hidden messages and innuendos. I mean, that's no fun. As Aaron would know, it'd be like a Taylor Swift album. There would just be Easter eggs. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be. I mean, that that was one of the very first things I you know talked to you about when they brought these guys on was was seeing the availability of of talking to to one of those guys. You know, obviously, preferably yeah. Zach. He kind of runs he runs the show there and and get an idea of what what his role is. That's happening. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. At this point, so. Uh, we will we will have that. I mean, why not have him on the night of signing day? Signing days on Wednesdays. Yeah, that's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. Um, all right. You got anything else on football? I don't think so. Well then why don't we timestamp it? That timestamp brought to you by Turtle Brew, zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten free, six percent, ABV. Bourbon infused sweet tea, strawberry, uh, cherry, cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla, strawberry mint, lemonade tea. Uh, over a hundred locations now in Ohio. Visit turtlesbrew.com for more information and locations. A portion of the proceeds go to save the sea turtles. They are in Toledo and Columbus and Cleveland as well as here in Cincinnati. Uh, Dave, we have seen uh, two more Bearcats basketball games. One of those games, Vic, uh, well, I think in both of those games, Vic Vic is not rocking a headband anymore. It seems to have um, helped, so he should stay And in the game the Sunday, it absolutely did. It absolutely did. That Neither was, is Odie. Yeah, so this the is, headband count is way down, Dave. This is frustrating. I know you were excited. Like, that was – yeah. There was nothing you were more excited about at the start of the season. Than it really wasn't, honestly. It was the first tweet I sent out about the basketball season. I know. That's why I said it. It was the it was your driving force mm-hmm. uh, on your excitement level for this basketball season was the headband count. Yeah. But maybe as they find a rhythm, the headbands will, will come back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at, at the beginning, it's just the, the clout of wearing the headband with the jump man on it, right? Yeah. And now, you know, now they're like, I don't want to wear a headband. It well, doesn't doesn't feel good. Um, any additional like takeaways after you've gotten to see a couple more games as uh, the sample size is growing? I missed the second half of the game on Sunday. I was obviously watching the Bengals, yeah. um, which seemed like I missed the better of the second half. I wasn't really thrilled with the first half of that game. They play. I mean, Eastern Washington's pretty good. I think was, Eastern Washington is the best of those three teams, and we're finding out better than UIC. Yeah, I think so. It just they seemed, just had it a seemed, tough go of their schedule. It felt like a, it felt like a twelve o'clock a Sunday early season game, especially first half, like. Yeah, the first five to seven a minutes. Friday night game. It was sloppy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was. Um, I would say I continue to be encouraged with Day Day and Jizzle. Yes, um, I don't know how yeah. you, I don't. If that's not your take, I 
you don't know ball. You know, that the kids and, say that now. That's a big thing I, now. You don't know I, ball. I don't know. I don't. I, I have one, and he doesn't really know what basketball is yet, so he's not saying it. And I don't really associate myself with. I don't next really, time I see him, I'm going to teach him that if you're watching a game with dad and he says something, what you need to say to him is you don't know ball, man. I mean, after the last time we talked, you might not be around because what he was going to crush you with a car and he and, was, yeah, he was, he was hell bent on killing me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, competition aside, you still have two guys that have never played at this level and one that, you know, never played college period one at junior college. And, I mean, has there really been a moment? You've obviously watched much more than I have, but like, it doesn't seem like there's really been a moment where, to the naked eye, that they look out of place. Uh, to they, they look like they can't handle this. Now, certainly, the competition's going to ratchet up a shit ton. Sure. So, but so should hopefully their progression in the, in their own game. I, I think what you're getting at, and what I would absolutely agree with, is nothing has seemed too big, like. Yes, Gentle has had some freshman stuff, like some some losing his place in off-ball rotations and, like, you know, maybe committing a, a silly turnover, which have been few and far between. But, like, neither of them have had the bright lights on and seem like they're too big. Well, the, the off-season conversation was, do they need a transfer portal point guard? No. And I, I don't think so. And that, you know, there's going to be games where one or both of them are bad, but that's sure. just life. I mean, you know, you have veteran teams at the beginning. They could have the a season. thousand starts between them and there could be games where I mean, the point guard Up, in, up until the second half of the Duke game last night, Michigan State was like four for 44 from three. And that's a lot of guards who have played a lot of minutes. I mean, there's going to be games where they they don't play well. But to this point, I think they have been they, – those two, I think. I mean, you could tell me I'm wrong. Like, I think they've been the two most consistent players on the team. CJ's been really consistent. Um, John, Newman, John, John Newman, John maybe. John Newman's been really consistent. But, I mean, what you're um, talking about, two guys yeah. that have not – really I mean have not really played like John Newman's an yeah. older guy CJ's an older guy like yeah these are two guys well you asked me the question I'm just right, answering it. the ball in their hand a ton I think just think that yeah. shows how much like that they're in that conversation yeah says a lot because the ball's in their hands a, a ton and they're counted on to run an offense get people where they're supposed to be not turn the ball over you know and they I feel like they have done you know, probably well, more more than could have possibly been expected to this point. Yeah, I mean, Aaron and I talked about this last night when uh, talking about talking when Wes basically said he wasn't like Keegan asked him if he was like surprised at how well Jizzle has kind of handled this transition, and he the answer didn't I, I didn't think he worded it perfectly, but the the answer was basically I see him every day in practice, so this is what I expect from him. Like, right. It was no because this is right. what I know he can do. Right. Not no, like I'm not. No, he's, no he hasn't. It's no, right. he's doing what I thought he could do. Right. So I'm um, not surprised. I just think it's, it's, 
it changes the whole conversation about this team if you're not worried about point guard. Because we were, rightfully so, they didn't have a point guard. And they when they did have point guards, it was two guys that had never dribbled a ball in a Division One game. And watching those two dudes, it just doesn't feel like they get bright-eyed, that they get, like, Flustered or well, it doesn't. It also, you know, again, three games lower, you know, lower yes. level competition. But it Absolutely. doesn't feel like we're gonna get into some moments of like both of them going Are through cool. prolonged stretches of poor play at the same time. Yeah, like I feel like one more than the other, but maybe at time. But like you can probably count on them to be fairly consistent throughout the season. Um, and you're not going to go like a week where you're like, man, both of these guys are really struggling, whether it's defensively turning the ball over shooting, you know, whatever it might be. Like, it feels like that's neither of them are going to sit in long periods of, of rough patches. Yeah. Um, I would also say that the, the three point shooting from both has been has been solid and it's been solid for a reason. They're taking good shots. They're taking yeah. good threes. Like they're not just between the legs, between the legs, step back, take a three just because I feel like I, you know, I haven't shot in a couple minutes. If they could shoot um, the three, if both of them could shoot the three like Harris does for Kansas, I think we would all be very happy. Like he is not a high volume shooter. He is almost reluctant to shoot. But he takes very good shots, and he yeah. shoots a good percentage for the most part. On I mean, he made like seven in a row at the end of last night, didn't he? It felt like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like he doesn't, he doesn't they hunt his good, shot. They were good he's, looks. He's like, I'm when it's when it's my time, and when I'm open, I'm gonna shoot it. But if it's not, I don't feel like I have to get it up because I haven't gotten one up in right. seven minutes or something. And that can be a good part of. And a guy where the three-point shot is not like top of his scouting report. Right. So he doesn't feel like he has to to shoot six a game, five a game, six a game. Right. Because you got they're, those guys that they're shooters, and if they miss a couple, they're gonna shoot they're in their brain, I'm gonna shoot my way out of this versus sure. not versus not shooting. And they end up going like two for twelve and you know, because they don't, it's just a bad night where these guys might go one for five and it doesn't kill you because they're not not hunting that shot. At times that was to Julius. And some of it, it didn't look like threes because he, he loved taking step back 19 footers. footers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, but Dave was going to get a bunch of those shots up because it was, it was in his bag and he was one of the only guys with a bag. So everybody else had a knapsack. Dave had a bag. Yeah, I mean, that's, Thank you, that's, that's the thing Appreciate I think you. with this team is, I think you guys talked about it. There's probably not a consistent 15-point scorer, but there's probably, what, five guys that on a given night could give you 17, 18, 20. Yeah, maybe not. Vic's 26. That's probably an outlier. But you're not you're not 
totally dependent on like if Dave and Landers don't get near 20 they were dead to get together we're not winning right if one of them was off right so I mean like both of them better get near 20 or we're not winning yeah. this team feels at least at this point well, like yeah. CJ what had two points Sunday yes, I mean he didn't he didn't hardly shoot right and the, and, the, the two points he got was pump faking a closeout and they're you know and, and getting more getting into the the lane um so I will say one of the things that, that we talked about last year, like don't say this stuff just to, to say it. Last year, that team lacked the ability to get into the lane right. and oh. to contract the defense. They didn't have it. They like it just wasn't there. And that with with Jizzle and Day Day does not seem to be you know a major major yeah. concern but um before you get to to bearcat next question i do want to ask you through three games are there any you've i mean i just said i didn't really watch the second half of the last game i was didn't catch the a lot of the second half of the first game are there any early trends that are worrying you that like you say this could be a pretty big problem once we get to Big 12 play if there's, you know, I know the rim stuff is, is what it is unless Jamil and Aziz are eligible. So that's an understood thing. But is there anything else um, that you've kind of seen that you're like, this needs to get fixed or it could be a lingering problem all year? Not, not really yet. Um because I think defensively they've done so far a lot of the things that you would think a team with minimal rim protection would have to do. I, I still think the rotations and the help side, like the things that are going to come with experience and time will come with experience and time as this team continues to build its identity. Um, but not, not really like they've defended the three incredibly well um wild teams have have had it easy when they've gotten to the rim i don't know about you and what you've watched but i don't feel like they're just getting beat off the bounce relentlessly yeah like last year there were times where it was like my god like yeah it's not it's not so much like the straight line drives right like where, where guys are just getting the ball ripping through going to the rim for a layup like what was it this post was it I don't know if it was the post game or the weekly new West seemed to be frustrated with the offense. Do you do you know kind of what what that's centered around? I asked, him back, I asked him about it yesterday and just because I wanted to get more on that. I think it's just that they're not like operating at full potential yet. Um I don't think it was any one like yeah, they probably wanted to get Vic more post touches in the first two games. And that's why it was something that they did immediately uh, on Sunday. First play, Vic, duck in, get big, throw him the ball. I guess Wes said tonight on the uh, the coaches show that the plan was for Vic to just turn and hammer on somebody, but he ended up hitting like a three-footer. Um, 
So that would be something I think like if you're if you're gonna be a team that shoots the three pretty well, you're gonna shoot it even better if you can get you can feed the post and have that post guy establish that early. They start right. doubling down. Um adjusted tempo, one thirty second. I think it's do about you, right for this. Do you game. think there there do you think there's opportunity to to be better in, in transition and, and increase increase that number, increase the with two guards like Jizzle and Day Day and and some some guys on the wing. Do you think that's a, I think an area that's that, about right? I, yeah. I think around one hundred. Honestly, like a lot of that, if you look at the teams that are really at the top of that, they're not good. Right. Like I think somewhere in that one hundred range is probably tempo-wise where you want to be because you still you still have to be good. And this one of the things I was going to get to, the wing depth is as advertised so far. Um, CJ has been good. Newman has been good. CMOS has been good. Um, Dan has been kind of what we expected from Dan, what we explained was going to happen as Dan adjusts to being asked to do some things he's never done before in his life. Mm-hmm. So some of that is going to take an adjustment period. Um, so while you want to push the tempo, Dave, you're also not afraid to play in the half court. Well, here, here's my question. Is it possible? And I'm sure it is at the highest level. Like I think Kansas is number one, but there are teams in the top 10, like George Washington is 175 overall, and they're sixth in adjusted tempo. Belmont is 183 overall and fourth. Is it possible to truly care about defense and also play at a high tempo? Yeah, because I think there there are ways that you can prep. Like you, you probably have to be a pressure team to do that. Because like the other the other good teams that are high in tempo are like Arizona and Iowa, and I'm not sure those guys really dig in on defense like I think Wes wants to. So, you know, outside of Kansas, there's a lot of either like bad teams that just play fast. Yeah, well, I mean, te- one of one of the reasons like one of the reasons teams like that play fast, Dave, is because they don't feel confident that if they get into a half right. court that they're going to be able to score. Yeah. So they just, we have to run, we have to run, we have to run because the minute that another team slows us down, we're screwed. Yeah. And, or they're, and, or they're, you know, not very good on defense. So they're just trying yeah. to match baskets. Right. Um, with this team, I, I, I don't feel like, I don't think this is going to be a team that, that grinds shot clock very much but I don't think they're going to be afraid to to run 15 seconds of offense because they feel like they're going to be able to get a good shot in that. Yeah. You know, you've got, you try to push it for six or seven seconds, you back it out, you run 15 seconds of offense. You still got plenty of time on the shot clock, but you took a good shot with eight seconds left. Like that's, that's one of the beauties, Dave, of not having guys where the ball sticks. It's, it's one of the right. reasons we always talk about, the, the the trouble with teams that play in isolation, if that isolation doesn't work, 
you just chewed up eight seconds off the shot clock with one guy dribbling the ball, one defender standing in front of him, and everybody else watching. Yeah. We were um, 112th in tempo last year. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to find – we were 295th the year before that. Yeah, the year before that was – not good here's i mean houston this is great they're second these are all ken palm stats again very early houston's second overall 11th in adjusted offense one in adjusted defense and 296th in tempo so they just play slow and play great offense and play great defense (laughs) it's it's the epitome of kind of what kelvin samson samson has done yeah since he's been there we're going to grind you up and chew you out on defense. And, be and on offense, we're going to be super offense. efficient. Yep. They haven't had they haven't had a point guard that really like gets down the floor since he's been there. They've all been a little bigger. They've been shooters, but not yeah. like like get the ball and just go. No. Now they will at some time, at some points, like because they spot an advantage or whatever, but Right. That's not their MO. They want to grind you out, just grind you out on both both ends of the floor. So yeah. I, I, I like from 100 to 120, 130, right in that range is, I think, a really good spot to be in uh, tempo-wise if you're trying to play like they're trying to play. Uh, I would guess, Dave, if, like, as Jizzle and Day-Day get more comfortable – You'll probably see that bump a little because they will find spots. Mm-hmm. You know, the the rebounder will find spots to get them the ball quicker and let them get down the floor quicker. But also, you're going into a league that that defends. Oh yeah. So you're not going to be getting a whole lot of those easy end to end buckets uh, that that jump up your tempo because you scored and four seconds on like, you know, six possessions a game. That's just not, you ain't doing that shit in the big 12, bro. No. <laughs> uh, Bearcat Nick wants to know, would you expect the combo guard from the portal to replace not getting Perry? Maybe. Um, I think you have to remember when Cincinnati was, was started, you know, going through this entire cycle, they were going through the entire cycle with two guys that had never dribbled the ball in a division one basketball game. So you better like, while you don't know what you have, have an eye on adding some help there uh, just in case, like if you can, if you can get a guy in November that can come into your roster next year and, and bolster that um, seeing what we've seen now, maybe doesn't make it as because they're both going to be here next year maybe doesn't make it as dire but let's see what happens the rest of the season because yeah. that that could change by april where by april you're like ah we better get a guy in here you know just to have a third guy mm-hmm. i think you'd always prefer a third guy that can be a at, a prim- at minimum a secondary ball handler yeah if if things get get real squirrely like can be your point but it's not necessarily his best best role. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like, I know 
people get so caught up in like what the services list a kid at. I didn't see Travis Perry as a big 12 point guard. I saw him as a guy that could really shoot and, and knew how to score. And if you needed him to, he could initiate offense and, you know, bring the ball up, but was never going to be the guy like, Hey, uh, we're going to throw it to you and you're going to be a one man press break. Or, you know, was just going to be like a, a facilitating type point guard. The guy scored, he's going to score maybe like, what, 4,000 points, 5,000 points in high school? He's a scorer. Um, so I saw him more as like a, a combo guard that scores than a point guard that, you know, you can uh, you can lean on. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. For sure. But, I mean, I liked this game. It wasn't that I'm, I'm not – No trashing on Travis Perry. I just, my scout was never that he was a guy that you're going to, especially like, look, if, if what Wes wants a point guard to look like, it's Day-Day and Jizzle. That's not what Travis Perry looked like. <laughs> yeah. Just, I'm just saying. That's not what his yeah. game resembled was those two. No. Um, uh, Thrifty Walrus said, my wife's co-worker spent a little over $1,000 on a hotel tailgate <laughs> spot tickets. First time any was spent that much money to end up in Morgantown. <laughs> oh, I, I do need to say, before we get out of here, I know it's late, but we did have two tickets just become available today. So if there is anyone that is interested, has been considering wants to go please uh please reach out to me and and we'll uh we'll figure out a way to get uh get the tickets to you at a uh probably just a, a face value situation so um yeah if anybody's looking to make a last minute trip and sit and sit uh by mr bcj twitter you can do that this week in morgantown <laughs> um next question if aziz and reynolds do not get their waivers would they still have two years left to play and use this as a red shirt season for aziz he played in 20 2021 that gives you a COVID year right 20 was the the COVID year Sure. I don't know anymore. So that would give him a COVID year like it didn't happen, essentially. And this would be a redshirt year if he had to sit this year. So technically, I think he would still have two if he sat out this year. I would be shocked if that's the route that he took. Uh, Because... Yeah, he would his redshirt junior would be next year and or yeah, this year would be redshirt junior, then senior, then COVID year. Um I don't know. I just wanna I, I just wanna make sure. So Jamil started in 2021-22. So he does not have a COVID year, but he's only played two seasons.
No, so he does actually. Yeah, he did. He was at UCF in 2020-21. So he would have a COVID year. So they're both in the same boat. Um, my guess is, uh, if they had to come back next year, they would plan for next year to be their last year in college uh, if things went as accordingly. Um, no, I don't see Travis Perry similar to CJ Frederick. Travis Perry, I, I, I see as a combo. CJ, I see as a two, more of a wing than a point guard. But that's he's 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 yeah. I mean, longer. He's more smaller. of a three than a one. Right. I think that's that's a, a great way to put it. More of a three than a one. So yeah, um, the Travis Perry thing, man. I mean. Here's what I'll say about that. I cannot blame the kid for making, for him, what is essentially a 40-year decision. Because he is from a small town in rural rural Kentucky, and uh, the minute that you put on the Kentucky uniform, you are essentially set for life. There will be a job for him selling insurance, in Lyon County and, and, and making $200,000 a year for the rest of his life. Worst case scenario. So it's a weird situation because Kentucky basically like gave him the thumbs up. Like if you want to commit, you're a top 75 kid. You're going to be the leading scorer in the history of Kentucky high school basketball. Um, you can come, but we're not, treating you like a, a five star. We're not we're not coming to your school every week. We're not uh carving out time to make you a priority, but we understand the significance of, of that to you. We understand the significance of it to the state. And if you want to come play here, you can come play here. It sucks for Cincinnati because they recruited him hard. Uh as did Old Miss, which Shockingly enough, Dave, from what I've gathered, it was Kentucky or Cincinnati. Uh, With Alabama third and Ole Miss, like, not even really a factor, which I'm pretty sure, Dave, I like to pull the curtain back a little bit on how I think things happened as they happened. Alabama knew they weren't getting him. Ole Miss knew they weren't getting him, essentially. So when that information starts coming out from Alabama and Ole Miss, it spreads through the college basketball community. Everybody knows Kentucky is not all in on this, right? Kentucky is not sending Cal to Lyon County two or three times between September and October to like, let this kid know you're at the top of our list. We're trying to get you. So the consensus is, as as this information starts to spread, Kentucky's not really a factor. Alabama doesn't think he's coming. Ole Miss doesn't think he's coming. He's going to Cincinnati. And from the Cincinnati side, they're going, look, that was great. But he hasn't told us he's coming. He's told us he likes us. He's told us that, you know, we have done a great job recruiting him. But he's not told us he's coming to Cincinnati. So 
that's why the Cincinnati side of things, there was never, he's coming to Cincinnati. Um, that's why people that could check with Cincinnati never, you didn't see the, the, the major national guys that are, are good at this say that he was coming to Cincinnati. I think they wanted to, but then they talk to people around Cincinnati and say, well, if they're not comfortable, I'm not going to make the pick. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going over my skis on a staff that isn't telling me, yeah, we got this, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to get this done. So Ole Miss is saying they're not going to get it done. Alabama saying they're not going to get it done. Cincinnati's saying we think we're in a good spot, but we don't know for sure. That's where the ancillary crystal ball picks start coming in from places that have a portion of the information, but not all of the information. Um, and then the kid decides he wants to, to stay home. Over mm. under one and a half seasons played at Kentucky. If he made this decision like he made this decision, he's not transferring. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine with whatever that career ends up being. Right. I'm totally like I. I More get power it. to the kid. I like it's a. It was a weird recruitment, but I get it from the kid's side. Oh like, yeah. You just set yourself up for life. Go look at Farmer, Feldhouse, Pelfrey, like all uh, these guys that have read, read Shepard's dad. Yeah, Jeff <laughs> Shepard. All these guys that have been Kentucky high school legends that played at Kentucky, and they're set. Like, as long as they don't fuck up, as long as they're good humans, you're in a good spot for 40, 50 years. Your family is happy. You're you, making a shit ton of money. Like, you I mean, you have the unforgettables. Right. Like, I mean, that was, that was what, 30, um, 30 years ago? You know? And those guys are still, you know, those guys weren't stars on that team. I mean, here's the thing, Dave. If you would have asked me, and a lot of people did, I just didn't answer. Like, I felt better about Cincinnati's chances than I felt about anybody else. But something was off. Something wasn't adding up. Like, yeah, he it, was it, trying to decide, do I want to yeah. go to UC and what that means for my basketball career? Or do I want to go to the team that I've probably dreamt like of playing for every day my of my life, life right. and I maybe care a little bit less about – I mean, I'm sure he's still going to be ultra competitive and be like, I'm going to start, I'm going to play. Sure. Absolutely. But there is – I mean, anybody that's loved a team. I mean, when I was growing up and as I was a kid, I was like, you know, if I ever – you know, obviously never even come close, but it's like – if certain teams offered as a kid, you're like, I'm going to go there and I don't really care how it turns out. I just want to, that's where I've always wanted to go. And is that frustrating for Cincinnati because they put a ton of time and effort into Travis Barrett? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's, there's a portion of, you know, Hey, I wish the kid would have just told us I want to go to Kentucky. Yeah. But I do think like to my knowledge, he didn't. He informed people at like Sunday morning, like late Sunday morning, on what was going to happen, which tells me he didn't know. Literally the eleventh hour. <laughs> yeah, right before tip off. But that's neither here nor there. Um, 
But yeah, like more power to the kid because honestly, he probably made the best life decision. Well, I mean, it's from our standpoint, it's you're just frustrated because you think he's a good basketball player and you want him to play for your team. It wouldn't be sure. any different. Like I wouldn't care what the circumstances were if it was any other kid. Right. Like I don't give a shit that he's from Kentucky and you know probably wanted to play there. Like I understand it from his standpoint, but it doesn't. It's no different than recruiting any other kid and not getting them. You put the time right. in. You you think he's a good player. You want him on your team, and you don't get him. You think you did the best job recruiting him? The kid tells you you did the best job the, recruiting him. The backstory is inconsequential to me. It's a it's a it's a do or don't business, man. And right. we can sit here and and you can understand the reasons why, and you can say you don't agree or that you do understand. What it doesn't really to me, it doesn't matter. Like you either get them or you don't. And I feel no different about this one than I will any other ones that they that they don't get that they that we know they really want. Yeah, it's just funny in this situation that that you out, you know, uh, uh, apparently from all of the the, the back end information, you out jostle Ole Miss and Alabama for a kid that they want, and he still picks Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I, I, I like watching the kid play. Well, I mean, let's, I think, let's be real. Like, is there – I don't think there's a brand in a school that means more to a kid state. from their home state than Kentucky. Maybe, Kentucky. Like Indiana is very similar. I um, still don't think it's like Kentucky, though. I mean, if, if you're a kid from – North Kentucky, Carolina? No, not even close. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Like if you're other a kid options. from Kentucky and they want you to play for them, I guess the-, the thing being, North Carolina has always kind of been national in right. terms of like their recruit at Kentucky and at Indiana. I would say Indiana is similar. In-state kids have a special place at both of those, yeah. especially especially with Cal. Now he can go get whoever he wants. Basically, yeah. I mean. But he want, he says, yeah, you can oh. come and you've and you're like, my God, this is all I've ever dreamed of my entire life. Uh yeah, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> if if you look at what Reed Shepard did last night against Kansas, Reed Shepard might be the governor of Kentucky in in <laughs> 20 years. 20, 30 years. Yeah, at this at the rate, if he plays like that, like what we saw last night against Kansas, they were significantly better with Reed Shepard on the floor. That's also something that's going to be tough for Travis Perry is they already have Travis. They have better Travis Perry. Uh, And I mean, he's going to be there for probably a while, but Reed's not a lock first round NBA guy. No, but yeah. I mean, it is, it is what it is. They, they, I thought they did a good job recruiting him. They put themselves in a good position. It didn't break their way uh, on in the final hours. So, but we just got to drink more Cincy Light, I guess. <laughs> Tyler McKinley, Tyler Betsy do sign uh, last Wednesday, and that's pretty damn good recruiting class. Oh yeah, you get two four stars that that have size and skill and can help you in a lot of ways. You're you're aim, you're aimed in the right direction if you keep recruiting kids like that. All right, you got anything else? 
I don't think so. That would be great, Geoff, if they just recruited Tylers. Yeah, who's, every who's kid. The big, who's the big Tylers in the twenty twenty five class? So we got, we got <laughs> every new... kid. Just go get just go get all Tylers. You got you got to then you'll have to, you know, T Mac, T Bet, like just T something to differentiate all of them. T Swift. Yeah, the, is there a is there a T Swift in the? Uh, <laughs> it makes Aaron so mad when we do any. Why else would even, I, when we even mention it, he gets. Why so else would I have said it? I know, and you can see him in the background there, just shaking his head. Oh boy, Cameron Boozer. Cameron Boozer kind of sounds like a, a Tyler. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's named after Cameron Indoor Stadium. I wonder where he's going to go. I don't know. <laughs> Oh shit. I'm good. Oh, good. oh, there's a there's a Tyler Jackson from Overtime Elite in the 2025 class. He's number 27 in the country. Get on that. I'll, I'll tell the staff to, to get on that. Make him a make him the priority. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'd feel better if he was a St. Thomas in Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> Pro- probably the or, case. Or from Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a Ty List. That's kind of like Tyler. It's close. He's from Snellville, Georgia. He's the 68th ranked player in the country. I mean, if you're going to do something like that, you, you're going to have to make a few exceptions. Trayvon? Well, no, that's not Tyler. No, but you have Tyler, Trayvon, Ty List. You just kind of get the get all that going. <laughs> We're down into the hundreds, and we don't recruit yeah. guys in the hundreds anymore. Yeah. And nobody, in the, nobody under a hundred, Dave. We don't no, do that anymore. No Tylers in the twenty twenty five class. We're gonna have to look at Tylers in the portal. How mm-hmm. many Tylers are in the portal? I know. <laughs> Pickle, welcome back. You want to take us out, Pickle? You want to get us out of here? Oh yeah. All right. Uh, before we go, thanks as always to Home Field Apparel. I was going to say, uh, did we have a home field read? I was supposed to do it before basketball, and I, I'm an idiot. Thanks to Home Field Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, get yourself the bomber jacket. They are awesome looking. Uh, BCJ23 is the code to use at checkout. Save yourself 15%. Homefieldapparel.com. They have an awesome selection of Bearcats retro gear, uh, the Cax hoodies, the, the gray uh, Angry Bearcat hoodie, which is is my favorite. Um, I don't even, you know what, I, Dave? I don't even really wear that hoodie anymore. Outside of like, it's the first thing I put on every morning when I oh, take yeah. the dogs out. Yep, I wear my it's my my Tennessee take, one. Like to take Will to school a lot. Yeah, it's my take the dogs out hoodie. <coughs> stationed right by the bed when I get up in the morning. Put the joggers on. Put the gray home field hoodie on. And uh, freeze as the dogs uh, have fun frolicking in the backyard at 7 a.m. But thanks to Home Field. And, uh, you know, they will have a bunch of great Black Friday stuff coming up as well. So stay tuned uh, next week uh, for more great deals by Home Field. But for now, BCJ23 at checkout will get you 15%. 
Thanks to Turtles Brew. Thanks to Team Ticker. And as always, thanks to our title sponsor, the Holy Grail. That's going to wrap it up. Bearcats, Mountaineers, 2.30 Saturday. We'll see you at the Grail. And then uh, Bearcats, NKU, Sunday, 2 o'clock, Fifth Third Arena, Revenge. That's, that's the BCJ Podcast. Brought to you by the Holy Grail, right here on BearcatJournal.com.